welcome to Big Blend Radio, where we celebrate variety and how it adds spice to quality of life. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome. We are so excited to have Dr. Norman Rosenthal back on the show. He's a world-renowned psychiatrist and New York Times bestselling author. And he, you know, is the first person to really talk about seasonal affective disorder, as we call SAD. But you know what? We first met him with his book, Transcendence, and then his book, Supermind. And Supermind is one of my like favorite books on the planet. Everyone should read it because it really shows the scientific data behind meditation, specifically transcendental meditation. Uh, but today we're going to talk about his new book that is out. And uh, this is something everybody's going to want to get during the winter season, especially if you're in the darker states. Um, you know, I know sometimes like Alaska, six months of darkness, you may want this. Uh, the book is called Defeating Sad, A Guide to Health and Happiness Through All Seasons. So welcome back, Rosen- Dr. Rosenthal. How are you? I'm just terrific. Thank you for having me on your show. Hey, it's good. I've got snow behind me because I figure it's coming. Um, you know, Nancy and I travel the country full time and, you know, we we South Africa and understand, you know, having a lot of sunshine. And um, the last few years, we experienced what it's like to be in the Northwest and the Midwest in winter and understand like, whoa, this is a whole different world. And now I'm starting to understand what you've been talking about, how it can affect you. It can, <laughs> really. But um, I, before we get into that, can you talk about what sad is versus the winter blues? Because I always thought the winter blues is like you miss the heat or maybe you're just sad because your loved ones aren't around you. And so we've got to kind of differentiate with all of that, don't we? Well, sad and winter blues, the difference is a matter of degree. If you've got the winter blues, maybe you're not as energetic as usual. Maybe you're a little bit under the weather little bit down, not as optimistic about the future, struggle maybe a little bit. It's not a good thing to have, but you kind of barrel through and you get through. With sad, it's just that degree worse. Um, and your whole physiology begins to rebel against you. You're overeating, especially sweets and starches, gaining weight, craving carbohydrates, difficulty waking up in the morning and then you begin to fail in certain important ways your work is not up to scratch your relationships suffer and sometimes your mood gets really down and not optimistic at all so the winter blues is there sad is there they're on a continuum someone could have winter blues one winter and sad the next winter depending on what was going on in their lives. So what causes this? Is it lack of sunshine? I remember during COVID, we were lucky we were out in Joshua Tree area. And so the first thing we did, Nancy and I ran out in the sunshine and said, let's bake this off. We know vitamin D is, you know, the natural vitamin D is like everything to us just as human beings. You put us in the sunshine, we are immediately happy. And I was thinking about that and thinking about COVID, how a lot of people were kind of shut in, maybe not having the sunshine that we had, that we felt better. And we did very well during COVID, thankfully. Um, But do you think during COVID people started to feel sad during the winter months on top of 
having to be trapped at home, that it was kind of like a... Yeah, I think there were a lot of factors working together. People were isolated, which was depressing in its own right, plus the winter, plus not being able to do a lot of stuff and fear uh, of catching it. So all these things conspired together to create this sort of triple whammy, so to speak. And um, But when you say what causes SAD, the lack of light is one cause. The biological vulnerability, some people have that propensity. And the third one is stress. Stress mm. can bring it out just as well. Oh, that's a big one because stress is a big deal. I, I think... It's it's very interesting, especially going through you know the COVID times, and then talk about we all started eating a lot more, drinking a lot more. I think liquor stores were doing very well during COVID, um, and then people started to realize just how important it is to go for a walk. Um, I had a friend who said now people not, they understand why their dogs need a walk every day, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking about that was sad and how if you know if you are upside and stressed and maybe. You know, and I think the winter times gets weird. You know, we always talk about it, how sometimes the holidays are depressing for, for some people. Can that kind of spur sad on if, if you're already depressed, maybe for missing a loved one or something like well, that? Well, I, I think it can. And one thing about the holidays is they often come with a lot of demands that we have to uh, entertain guests or we have to be very jolly and um, mm. send people cards and gifts. There's a lot of pressure on people in relation to the holidays. And when you're feeling like a hibernating bear, uh, that might not be a good thing for your mood. So yes, mm. I would agree with that. So what can we do to kind of push for, because I understand that where you it's too cold out. I'm not going out. But once you get out and start walking around, just get a good jacket, you know, get good clothes. You do start to feel better, I think, you know. But it's, you know, there's that Swedish saying, it's only, there's no such thing as bad weather. Uh, you know, it's just bad clothes. <laughs> <laughs> or a bad attitude. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think that uh, exercising out, I'm, I'm looking at the snow covering the ground and the sun shining off the snow. And that can be a, a very good environment because you're getting a lot of light and the aerobic exercise. Mm. Uh, the aerobic exercise, I think, is really good just to breathe and get your blood moving. I think there's something about blood moving. But um, the light thing, I do want to ask you about that because I know that you work in light therapies, right? And I want to go into what that is, but we've experienced traveling this country different lights. And I know this sounds weird, but in Wisconsin in December or January, the sun comes out. Nancy and I will run out. The sun's out. Let's go. It's there. And there's absolutely no heat in that sun. And I've talked to people who live in, you know, the top part of the country, and they're like, no, there isn't any heat. That's just the way it is there. Even getting that light still in some way made us feel better, but we really wanted the warmth. Are we still getting help, even though the light is not? I don't understand why it's not warm, but <laughs> are we still getting, is it still good for us to be out in the light, even if it's cold and the sun doesn't feel that warm? Well, I'll, I'll just get back to your comment about bad clothing. 
I think yeah. you need to bundle up a little more and you'll be fine. Um, but I think that the light can be helpful completely separate from heat. Okay. That there's something about the light that has a direct effect on areas in the brain that can actually enliven you and improve your mood and make you feel better. So th that is definitely uh, one aspect of treating sad is bring light into people's lives, literally. So what if you do live in a dark place? Like the Pacific Northwest, we were there in the winter. We're about to do it again. Um, but one thing we noticed is a lot of the places, people's homes have massive windows, huge, wide open windows, which we're going, but that's letting the cold in. But then I was thinking, no, it's letting the sun in. So like if you think of these really, um, you know, these old mansions, they have sunrooms. And it's really for the winter, right? So that you can go and get that light. Is that part of light therapy? Or just how well, we build our houses? I'm all for taking one room in the house if you've got that luxury. And having the walls painted light colors and having Ooh. bright scattered cushions all over and throws and a lot of light in it. Now, you know, there are all these wonderful ways of illuminating rooms these days. Like, you know, the old track lighting. Mm -hmm. Well, they've now improved on that. They've got these kind of wafer lights that uh, are LED-based, and they put out a lot of light, and you can get the room very, very bright and uh, with a lot of cheerful colors and fun things in the room that make you want to be there. So color, that was a big thing I wanted to ask mm -hmm. you is about color because to me, there's something, again, let's go to the Pacific Northwest. And um, I, I'm sure you know in Cape Town, remember those rows of houses that are all different colors? And Cape oh, yes. Town has had its gloomy days because it's on the coast. And the coast can be gloomy, you know, depending on the year. And it could even, I remember San Diego when we lived there, June bloom, and that's what they called it. But there's areas like Oceanside, California, the coastal houses, they paint them different colors. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you see these bright, cheerful colors, like in, when you go to Mexico and different countries, you get excited. I don't know. It does change your mood. And I noticed that in the Pacific Northwest that everybody would have these drab colored houses and someone said, nope, I'm painting mine bright yellow or pink or orange. And when you see them, you smile. So to me, that's got to make a huge difference in your attitude when you see color versus everybody doing the same you know how homeowner associations make you all have the same color house? Yes, yes, yes. You'd be ruled out. <laughs> I, I, I love those places, you know, whether they're be India or Cape Town. Yeah. Where you've got the one house will be turquoise and the next one will be pink and the next one. It, it just makes for a very vibrant atmosphere. <laughs> you know, when Nancy and I lived in Peter Maritzburg, we rented a house for a very short time. We were there for a little time. And each room was a different color. <laughs> like, seriously, each room, there was a pink room, there was a green room, that apple green, and we thought this was nuts. But then we, I don't know, we had fun. It was just like the fun house. We kept looking back at that house as the fun house because whoever, you know, owned the house decided every room must be colorful. So I think there's something to that, you know. Maybe Did you art. drive through the Valley of the Thousand Hills? Yes, yes. Yes, beautiful, indeed. beautiful, and uh, hilly countryside around Peter Maritzburg. 
beautiful area. But yeah, you know, I think we've got something to learn from adding color. And if you can't do it on the outside, you can certainly do it on the inside. Even the Homeowners Association can't stop you from doing that. Exactly, exactly. What about do plants help? Because we've done so many shows on indoor plants helping your breathing and your attitude. So can that connect with uh, getting, you know, mitigating sad, defeating sad as you say? I'm, I'm, yeah, defeating sad. I like that you use that term because I've picked it very carefully. I don't want to just treat sad. I don't just want to beat sad or overcome sad. I really want to defeat it. And I want to help other people to do that because I feel like if you combine all these approaches together, um, you can have a wonderful result. You can be happy all year round or at mm. least not depressed. Yeah. So, um, yes, I think that um, I'm a great person for bringing houseplants in, orchids, things that last mm. a long time. We talked about color purple, the white, the yellow, um, they last a long time and they, the amaryllis that starts mm. to grow around January and then spikes up and comes up with these flame red blooms. Um, I think it's very important to retain a sense of vibrancy about our environment. Mm. When you think about the, the different seasons in nature, especially in this country, um, well, we lived in the desert. Um, you know, you'd have ocotillos, which would give you these big orange flowery spikes in the fall and the spring. And it's just everywhere has a different springtime. But you think about how we get excited about spring, don't we? Because flowers are starting to pop out. The grass is starting to green up. Then summer, everything is full on. Fall comes. Then we have, you know, the changing of the leaves, which is more vibrancy. It's just like, you know, it's like another spring. And then winter really does, we have to look at it different. There's berries, there's architectural things we can do even in the snow to make us happy. That's part of why I think we do Christmas lights because I don't want Christmas lights to go down. I think we should twinkle year round. I'm serious. <laughs> I love the twinklies, you know? You know, something about the contrast that the seasons provide is very exciting. And even though I came to the sad story um, very authentically from my own response to the seasons I would not in a hurry move down to a climate which was sunny all year round mm. somehow I've become I wouldn't say addicted to the seasons but um, appreciative of them the different colors but that said, I do need a few strategically placed vacations so that I can get away and recharge my batteries, so to speak. Being in the sun, it's interesting you say that, and, and I just want to go back to the light of the twinkly light. I find it interesting in how our cultures around the world, if you think of a Hanukkah, if you think of Diwali, you think about Christmas, they all seem to have lights. They're, they're, they're festivals of light. And all these cultures have come up with these in different ways throughout the years, not necessarily copying each other, but it was it's part of it. Isn't, isn't that fascinating that light is a symbol of all these different uh, positive things? And it's, it comes out now in winter here. So I find that interesting that it's, it's kind of a healing power. It's 
also feels very communal when you're you have candles and spiritual it's it i don't know there's something with that so i feel like our ancient cultures on a spiritual level a communal level knew we needed to light things to feel good i think you're right on i think there's a lot of things like um cheering yourself up with light mm-hmm. with christmas tree the hanukkah menorah Uh, all these things, they have light and they bring light into your life. The light is color. The light is different shapes. It's very exciting. And then at the same time, there's this ancient um, practice of celebrating the return of the light every year as the days start to get longer. You know, places where um, temples where a light slab would hit the side of the wall indicating that this was the summer the winter solstice that mm-hmm. now the light was going to come back and prayers made to the light gods and so on and so forth what i'm really saying i mean i don't believe there is a light god incidentally just for anybody listening who thinks that i might have lost my um, <laughs> bearings a little bit here but um i think that there's something almost programmed into us to feel the return of the light Mm. and the loss of the light Mm. and it's wired into our mood system and that's really what sad is probably all about so when you also think about going and recharging their batteries you know we think about people going on holiday or vacation in this country because i almost said yaw already now <laughs> you're going to get me back in, in my afrikan side or here my south african side but when you think about there's there's going on holiday and then there's um traveling it's almost two different things in a weird way sometimes you need the vacation where you go to like cabo san lucas and sit on the beach and recharge and you're sitting by the pool maybe some people just that's it i need to go lie in the sun on the beach and that's like a recharging thing. So the sun is even no matter how hot it is, there's something about soaking up that sun that makes you feel better even if you get a sunburn. I know that's not supposed to be. So yeah. I know every dermatologist in the world just want to get after me just now, but <laughs> you know what I mean? There's that recharge. Yeah, and and you know even though the light therapy that we talk about comes through the eyes that's how the therapy comes into the brain there is also an independent circuitry of sunlight falling on skin and causing certain chemical changes in the skin that can also have a mood effect so it seems like nature has been redundant in creating these different pathways so the light therapy that you do um Tell us how that works. There's all these things that we can do at home, obviously, to, you know, really work against and defeat sad, as you're saying. But do you go? Do people go to a psychiatrist and say, "Okay, help! I'm not feeling good." What happens from there? Well, a lot of the work has been taken up by people writing books, like me. People selling lights online. Uh, on Amazon and other online outlets, um, knowledge that's available on the web. Um, people can get some uh, from my own website. 
at norbinrosenthal.com or all the major websites in the major medical establishments have got information about light and light therapy. So I think that people first and foremost might want to do a little bit of checking out and self-help more or less like you might take cold medicine for a yeah. cold mm -hmm. but if it gets worse and if you start coughing then you might want to check in with the doctor and the same with sad if you're really down and you don't feel there's a future or you're suffering with regard to your relationship or your work don't mess around you know that's not a do-it-yourself time that's the time to check in with the doctor you are already predisposed to having depression, which you know we're now able to talk about in this country. It's been, I, well, I think in most countries, right? It, you know, you were mm -hmm. looked down upon. Like it, you know, now people are starting to understand, you know, chemicals in our brains and our bodies to understand mental health. Um, and so we're starting to, and it's hard if you're in the workplace. It's one of those invisible, you know, issues that people go through, and. Um, so now what if, if you have depression, if you're already battling depression, are you predisposed to having SAD? Well, you know, SAD is a kind of depression. So you can have SAD and you can have depression at other times of the year as well. They, they oh. can both occur or they can occur separately or you can have one and not the other. But full-blown SAD is a kind of depression. It's like saying a cucumber is a type of vegetable. Sad is a kind of depression. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just one kind that is particularly responsive to light. Uh, although light therapy can help a lot of different kinds of depressions. So it, it's a little complicated. So I think this is, you know, really important for people just as a whole to make themselves happy. Like you were saying in your book, you know, health and happiness, you know, yep. through all seasons, you know, I would be so wrong to not ask you about the benefits of meditation. If I don't ask you about meditation, I know that you're going to get after me because, you know, you've done so much work in the actual science behind it, you know, because now things are documented scientifically, all this data that, you know, you put in Supermind especially with transcendental meditation, but would any form of meditation help someone going through SAD? Well, yes. And in fact, in my book, I've got different kinds of meditation and things that they did for people with SAD. One person in England went on a walking meditation through Kew Gardens. Now, if I had Kew Gardens around the corner from me, I think I would treat my sad that way as well. It's a beautiful, beautiful garden, a very famous garden in, in, in London. Um, others uh, use different kinds of meditation. Uh, and there's one where she writes about her um, transcendental meditation and how it helped her seasonal affective disorder. This was a Scottish lawyer woman. And um, she had a very prickly temperament by her own acknowledgement. And she would say that when she meditated, her clerk who worked for her would say, you know, are you on some medicine? Because 
all of a sudden you're so nice. And um, <laughs> her, her, um, the opposing counsel in the court case said, what's the matter with you? You're so agreeable today. Uh, and um, she found that even the, the, the meter people, the parking wardens, would go find her a place to park her car instead of giving her a ticket. And um, she, she was amazed. She was not a, a believer to start with, but because the TM, which we do each day, once or twice a day, think our mantra like we've been taught, our body will settle down and we will start to feel a lot better. And you know, when you're depressed, you're also stressed. How will I get my deadline met? How will I get my work done? How will I get the kids off to school? Etc. Etc. But when you meditate, everything seems to feel better. You go into a state which we call transcendence. Uh, and that is what leads us to feel less depressed, less stressed, less mm. sad. And then with transcendental meditation, you talk about you have your every person has their specific mantra of what they're doing, right? And it goes according to their body. And of course, there's all these different ways of doing meditation and gratitude is part of it. You know, I, I'm a big believer that gratitude can change a whole bunch of what's going mm -hmm. on in life. And um, that's meditative too, just thinking about what you're grateful for today, no matter how bad or how rotten you're being dealt that day. Like, you know, you could be going through some really bad things, mm -hmm. but still look for the gratefulness uh, and what you're happy about. You talk about in Supermind about how you're really kind of building that brain muscle, you know? Um, you know, you're really building that. And and I wonder through if, like, is ritual part of creating a positive habit that can help defeat sad? You know, through no matter what form of meditation you choose, or maybe it's I'm going to have tea at 3 o'clock every day and treat myself to this is my moment, things that are positive, that kind of, maybe it's a walk some kind of ritual routine, something like that, will that help your body defeat sad? Well, I'm all for healthy habits. So a daily walk is a great idea. A little break for tea time is a great idea. Especially um, with a cookie. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, the old South African shared experience asserts itself again. Omar uh, Rust. <laughs> but I think that the the transcendence that you get for TM is a benefit over and above those other practices because I think what it's doing is it's changing your consciousness and that is a progressive thing that keeps getting better and better so does that help your heart because I there is about evidence, there's evidence yeah. that it lowers your blood pressure, reduces the chance of heart attack and stroke, definitely. So would that help with defeating SAD? Is lowering your blood is your blood pressure related? Because if you're if you have hypertension, can that go into depression? Well, you know, I think we're mixing all kinds of things here. I think that um Hypertension can come with a stressed life we live in our modern world. 
and TM can help that. Okay. Uh, depression can also occur when people are under too much stress, and TM can help that as well. So. Awesome. Dr. Rosenthal, it is a pleasure to have you back on the show. It's been too long, but you keep writing, and apparently you've got another book out, Poetry Rx. That's something we need to know about, too. Tell us a little overview of that, because I missed that. What's been going on? Oh, my God. Thanks for mentioning it. You know, I had this idea that I lived with for a long time that was that poetry could really heal, inspire, mm -hmm. bring joy to your life. Mm -hmm. And I felt it very strongly. And I approached several editors and um, publishers. Nobody was interested in it. Poetry was the kiss of death from a publication point of view. So finally, I found this little engine that could publish her, and they took it. And um, it's been one of the most rewarding books that I've ever written, and one of the best responses that I've ever had from anybody, because people loved it. They put it at their bedside. Uh, Closeted poetry lovers came out of the woodwork, and um, it was just really a very gratifying experience. Um, I divide the poems up into, they're all short poems, mm. and I divide them up into five categories, uh, loving and losing, responses to nature, uh, the human experience, um, the search for meaning, and aging and dying, five stages. Wow. And I pick these little poems, and I, then I, I show you what the poem means and how you can benefit from it, and people loved it. So that was a very unexpected gift to me, and some people found it so themselves. Well, everyone go get it. It sounds like a good you know, winter read, you know? There's nothing like that. But turn your light on when you read. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, uh, you've got to go to Dr. Rosenthal's website. It's normanrosenthal.com. Uh, also, amazonbookshop.org. All those places, you can get his books there. And we hope everyone has a happy, healthy holiday. Uh, again, the website, uh, the book title is Defeating Sad, A Guide to Health and Happiness Through All Seasons by Dr. Norman E. Rosenthal. Thank you so much, Doctor. It's been a pleasure again. Oh, thank you so much for having me on your wonderful show. Always a joy, and when the next book comes out. You know where we are, somewhere in the world, but we are here. <laughs> okay, take Thanks, care. Thanks, Dr. Rosenthal. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio. Keep up with our shows at bigblendradio.com.